Hello, my name is Deborah Hamilton, and welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This podcast seeks to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view and disciplines. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of this podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations so that every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to your joining us on this journey toward a better understanding of similar and divergent points of view. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening first. I'm so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's get started. Today we're speaking with Wendy Hauser. She's a veterinarian and also the AVP of Vet Relations for Crum and Foster Pet Insurance Group. Wendy, welcome. I am so glad you're joining us here today for Why Do Pets Matter? Deborah, thank you. It is an honor to be with you today to talk about um, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Pets really do matter to you in so many ways because wait till my audience hears about your history from being a pet owner to now being the AVP at Crum. Let us fill us in on how you took this journey. <laughs> thank you, Deborah. Um, well, like many of us, we have special pets that have always been near and dear to our hearts. Um, while we love our pets, we have some that just are uh, a little bit more impactful. Um, my my history into pet ownership has been from uh, literally from when I was born. I've never uh, been petless uh, without a pet. Um, my childhood cat would be the first pet of my heart, if you would. Um, his name was Fluffy, and he adopted us, as most cats do with their owners. He was a beautiful long-haired white cat with emerald green eyes. And when I was a child in third and fourth grade, um, I, I had some pretty significant illnesses. And so I missed a year of school, and we lived relatively rurally in Oklahoma. And uh, so Fluffy was my only companion. And part of the things that made Fluffy so awesome was, um, just like many of our pets, his unconditional love, his willingness to be such a good buddy. I don't recall this, but my mom said we dressed him in baby clothes and pushed him around in a carriage. And that cat just went with whatever we asked him to do. So um, we, he used to follow us around like a dog when we were outside, wherever we were. Fluffy was an indoor-outdoor cat, and wherever we were, he was. So what a lovely first pet to have um, that was my own pet. Um, and Fluffy lived to be a very old cat. He was, uh, because he was a young adult when we got him, he was probably around 15 when we lost him. So I was well into college when we had to say goodbye to, to lovely Fluffy. So that was the first pet of my heart. Uh, traversed through many, many, um, many other pets. Um, and I would say that there were a couple that would stand out. Um, I had a black lab when I first opened my veterinary hospital. I, I was a hospital owner. I've since sold. And my cat, or, uh, the dog of my heart was Elvis. Elvis was a pre-owned black lab that had belonged to a breeder uh, it was her son's dog, and he was going to college and needed a good home for him. 
So Elvis came into our home when my son was 14 months old, and we were lucky to have him until he was about 12 and a half years old. Um, But Elvis went to work with me every single day for the first five years that I had my hospital open. So he was um, my buddy. He was my um, a great listener. Um, I knew that I always felt safe if I was in the hospital late at night. I always had Elvis to walk out with. And even though he was a sweetheart, um, a big dog is a deterrent if you feel unsafe walking to a car late at night. Um, so he was a, a tremendously great dog. Um, and then, um, so, so losing Elvis was really stunning to me. We've had some great other dogs uh, that have been family dogs throughout the years, and it would be hard for me to choose favorites. Um, I would say that um, they each bring something special to the table. My current dog is another black lab um, named Oliver, um, and Oliver is was also a breeder's dog. He's a retired show dog and is um, a, just a lovely dog. He's the only one that my husband has ever said is the perfect dog. So he holds a special place in our family. So um, there are many reasons that pets matter to me, Deb, um, and I've alluded to a few of them as I've kind of recapped. Um, and so vividly, I might heart. add. And so vividly, I mean, the green eyes and the white coat, I can see Fluffy and Elvis and um, your other dog, Oliver, just Oliver. see their black coats and and being right there walking out of your business with them, sort of as your bodyguard and your best friend. Absolutely. So the things, and we live very rurally now, we live outside of Denver um, and we do have some acreage. And so, um, and I work remotely. I'm, I'm an executive with a pet insurance company that's based in Ohio and I work out of my home. My husband is in a master's program. My kids are successfully launched slash still in college. Um, my daughter is a first year med student, so she'll be in college for forever. Um, but, um, it is, uh, important to have that companionship, that unconditional love. I love my husband, but he rarely gets up and meets me at the door, nor is he the one who's bouncing around in the back seat when, um, when my husband picks me up from the airport from traveling. So that's usually, uh, fills that's Oliver who fills that, uh, that little yeah, category. Our kids didn't do that either when we came home from traveling. So no. uh, we digress. No, no. <laughs> yes. And then. And then also, you know, just that sense of security and safety. Um, Although Oliver is a very passive dog, um, I do believe that he would let me know if something was amiss. Uh, Any of my other dogs, I had no doubt that they would defend me to their last breath. Oliver, maybe not so much, but I hope we're never in a situation where we have to find out. And so companionship, unconditional love, um, and and just having that other living being in the house with you, if you happen to be alone, um, is so, so very important. So uh, yeah. even just hearing Oliver, Oliver does not sleep in bed with us. Um, he does when my children are home, he sleeps with them, but not in our bed. But just hearing him snoring next to, he sleeps next to me on the floor um, is just so reassuring. So there's you, a lot of reason is- pets matter. It really makes that Pets Matter so um, vivid to all of the listeners because we all, you know, maybe all of us hear our pets snoring. I did last night hear my girl snoring. 
Um, and knowing they're there gives us such a sense of peace. I, I would agree. And I think that is a great way to sum it up. And certainly when I travel, I really, really miss hearing him breathing and snoring. He's not a big snorer, but just knowing he is there, I, I do miss that sense of otherness um, being in the room with you. So. so you mentioned that you're working for a pet insurance company, and of course, pets do matter. And now that we have veterinary insurance, it really makes it um, a little bit easier to care for them in a way that we might not have been able to do it before financially or what whatever goes with that whole decision to take care of your pets. Well, Deb, as a, as a um, still licensed and still practicing veterinarian, I, I spent 25 years purely clinically. Um, I really have seen the stress that economic limitations can um, impose on on pet owners um, as well as veterinarians and veterinary staff, let alone on the pets themselves. So when I, uh, I sold my business, I went into industry, then I became a a veterinary business consultant, and then started this role as an executive with a pet insurance company. It was actually a very strategic and tactical both decision to join the pet insurance company because I know how it feels to be a pet owner that has to worry about providing the best care from a beliefs point of view, as well as from a financial point of view for my beloved pets. And I have that unique perspective and the honor of having um, helped thousands of pet owners over the years um, negotiate and navigate, I should say navigate, um, the best landscape for them um, in making the best decisions for their pets that do honor um, their beliefs and, and their financial limitations. And that's where that negotiation comes into play. So being able to work for a pet insurance company that offers a remedy to those decisions so that when you are trying to decide what is best for your pet, you can actually concentrate on the best care for your pet, not on what you can afford that's best for your pet. Um, it's, a, it's a whole, you're concentrating on care for the pet, not on the cost of care for the pet. And that's so very important. I think it's great you use the two words that are negotiate and navigate because so many emotions come into that conversation when you're talking about what should I do for my pet? What's in the best interest of my pet? What's all about me? What's about them? Who should I really listen to? What voice in my head? And as a veterinarian and now an executive, it is you and a pet owner. So you come from three different hats because you've been a pet owner, um, hopefully never having to make any, you know, difficult decisions, but as a pet owner of 25 years, yeah, you have for your own pets. And then as a veterinarian for your client's pets. And now as this executive helping people soften that by maybe giving them the opportunity to take the cost in some respects out of the, out of the question. Absolutely. And I think that this is one area that if I were to go back into practice ownership, I've played around with it. I don't think it'll happen at this point in my life. But if I were, and certainly when I work with other hospital owners as a consultant, because I still do that, um, I think that we as veterinarians have not done a good enough job preparing pet owners for the cost of 
care for the life of their pet. And so sometimes veterinarians feel very, um, very torn in talking about finances with pet owners because they certainly don't want to look like they're in it for the money. And trust me, veterinarians are not in it for the money. Um, it is um, it is a profession that you can make a nice living in, um, but it is a profession um, that is not, if you were in it for the money, you would have chosen other professions to get into. You're in it because you truly feel an affinity or a calling to help people, to help pets, or to do both. So um, I believe that we find it hard as veterinarians to bring up the money. And what we really need to do is to make that a normal part of the conversation. Just as simple as saying, hey, Deborah, you know, you've got a, a beautiful Irish setter puppy. Congratulations on Big Red. He's lovely. Sorry, a little stereotypical. Big Red. But <laughs> yeah, we would um, never <laughs> call them Big Red. Oh, I kid. No, go right ahead. <laughs> At any rate, hey, you know, the first year of his life, is it's important for you to understand what you're looking at financially so that you can be prepared for all stages of, of Red's life. Um, and really, the first year may be a little bit more expensive because he's going to be seen multiple times for his examinations and for vaccinations. And then um, because he is a pet, um, we will talk about neutering him during that first year of his life. And then years two through five as an adult, Barring accidents, um, it's going to be primarily preventive care focused, so a little bit less expensive. And then when he's six, he's getting to be a little bit of an older man. We're going to want to be a little bit more proactive with his health. We're going to want to see him a little bit more frequently and maybe do a little bit more um, proactive medicine with lab tests, making sure everything looks okay, because unfortunately, Red can't tell us when something is feeling a little bit off. So just know that's how you need to, to um, plan for his future. So there are three tools that I always recommend for pet owners. And the first is absolutely pet insurance because that helps to pay for illness and it helps to cover in the case of accidents. The second would be wellness plans. Um, a lot of veterinary hospitals have wellness plans to help you be able to afford the cost of care in a budgeted monthly payment. So we know that he's getting the care that's going to help um, Red live a very long, happy, healthy life. And then the third is to have a third-party payer system, some type of a credit card-based system that is a backup for you um, so that if things happen, you have a, a, another way of paying for this. Um, beyond the pet insurance and beyond um, being able to plan for wellness care. Those are the conversations we're not having with clients in the exam room or most veterinarians are not. And I would count, I was not that proactive with conversations about pet care either. So um, as pet owners, don't be afraid to ask, hey, what am I looking at over the, the cost of life of my pet? Um, because recommendations change. And, and as we get better with predicting illness, um, you know, costs will shift, even if you've been a pet owner for the last two or three decades. You know, it's really interesting you bring this up because quite frankly, not only should the veterinarian 
be more comfortable with having this conversation because it is key to the care of the pet, but the rescue you might adopt the dog from or the breeder who you might get the dog, the puppy from, or the breeder who you might get the older dog from as you have, those conversations on how much will it cost me to keep this dog now, to keep this dog for over five years, keep this dog for over 10 years, and hopefully let's, you know, if they're little dogs, keep it for 20 years, right? Because they sometimes live to be 18, 19, which is a blessing, and cats and birds who are 40. We won't even, you know, really touch on that here, but, you know, insurance for birds is huge. Um, so it is a conversation that you really should have with whomever you're purchasing the dog with as well well, because it's not, I always said when I bought my horse, the cheapest part of buying my horse was buying him. That was the cheapest part. Yeah. Uh, you Having know, been a horse fart. owner, yes. Yes, yes. Art the fart, the, the cheapest thing I did was buy him. Everything else cost like a zillion dollars. And had I known, you know, I may not have bought him. I don't, I don't begrudge him a penny. Um, and he's still going strong, but he really, um, it, it was a tough nut to crack. And I love the tools you gave, but there are two kinds of pet insurance because I know about this. Um, there's the catastrophic pet insurance that doesn't cover wellness. And if I get it wrong, correct me. And then there's the um, routine uh, pet vet insurance that covers, say, the wellness plans that you might have with your vets? Correct. So there's, um, it depends on the pet insurance company you go with. Some pet insurance companies are all-inclusive. Everything is covered. The disadvantage with products like that is that um, they tend to be pretty pricey um, because everything is covered. And there is not a lot of flexibility for owners to choose um, and to customize the plan based on their needs. So um, not, and some insurance companies offer accident only plans and not all companies offer accident only. Um, so for instance, our company offers accident only, accident and illness, and then you can have an optional endorsement for the wellness so that you can say, you can call our customer care center and say, um, I have X dollars to spend per month that I want to budget toward this. What is the best combination of products that will do these things for me? Yep. And they can help steer you and customize it for you. So, and explain um, to you so, what you're buying and how it's going to help you. Okay. And so you're not surprised. Correct. Correct. Because you do, you do. There's a lot of differences. There are a lot of similarities across all insurance companies. And the products have evolved so, so very much um, from what they used to be, even just a couple of years ago. They're a great product, which is why we're seeing pet insurance growing in double digits year over year for the last five years. That being said, the percentage of insured pets in the United States, dogs and cats, um, is what I'm referring to in, in when I define pets right now is 2%, 2%. So, um, 2% it, it, a of long how many millions go. there's, there's what over, um, oh, I guess 80% of households have a pet and, how many millions of dogs and cats are there? 2% is like in the hundred thousands. It, it, it is, um, you know, I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers right off. I the don't either, head, but, but you're right. That's it, this is yeah. a, this is, this is sort of just going, wow, that is such a small percentage and, and it's such a valuable commodity um, to be able to avail yourself of if you can. And, you know, there's many ways that you can get pet insurance. You can go on the internet and search. Um, you can also um, 
you, uh, a lot of people are getting it as a voluntary employee benefit now. So I for know. instance, Isn't um, great? yeah, my, my company provides voluntary employee benefits for Citibank and Chase employees and for Amazon employees. Um, we partner with Liberty Mutual um, to provide those um, benefits, um, optional benefits, um, when people go through their alumni associations to get um, house insurance or car insurance or other types. So uh, there's a lot of ways that pet owners can find pet insurance. And then, of course, let's not forget the veterinarian. Um, and so, again, you know, it's interesting because a lot of veterinarians won't talk about pet insurance because it falls under that whole discomfort about financial discussions. Veterinarians don't like talking about money because they're afraid that they will be seen as being money hungry or as judging their clients, neither of which is the reality. But the reality does not align with that emotional component for a lot of veterinarians. And so as a result, they don't want to talk about pet insurance because the inference could be, well, how expensive are you that you think I need pet insurance for my pet? When in reality, pet insurance covers your pet at your veterinary hospital and at the emergency veterinary hospital and at the specialist that you may need care for and when you're traveling and need to see a different veterinarian. So pet insurance is not it's a completely portable product right now. So um, I, I do think that if your vet does not talk about pet insurance with you, that shouldn't be seen as a dissuader um, to look into it yourself. Absolutely. We had talked about this before the program because it is really important for you to educate yourself. And I loved the points uh, that you made that, you know, well, maybe we think they're money hungry or maybe we think they're judging us. And if that's what you're telling yourself, um, say to the vet, let me ask you a question. I just, I don't understand why um, you're telling me all about this insurance. And the story I'm telling myself is that, well, you know, this is going to be really expensive. And then that would give the veterinarian an opportunity to expand and say, just like you did, no, this is portable. If you have to go to a specialist, if you are out of town and have to go to a veterinarian, this is all covered. And you might want to make sure you have this in place, which is why, you know, this this podcast is called Why Do Pets Matter? Well, why do pets matter? Because we want to make sure we do what's best for them, um, what we can um, take care of in the boxes we can check that are a little bit easier is something that really fosters that that matter um, to us when we're thinking about our pets because we always hope they live happy and healthy and, and for the, their entire life. But if something happens, having the ability to have someone like you give us a little more information about how to have that conversation or how to at least facilitate your vet to have that conversation. Cheer them on when they tell you about insurance, I think. Right, Wendy? It, it's sort of like, give them the okay. Say, listen, I'd like to know everything and why you have the flyers outside that have these three companies and why do you pick them and which one do you think is the best? You know, and then as you said, do your own homework. Absolutely. And you know, I think the bottom line from the shoes of a veterinarian or veterinary staff, um, there have been surveys that have been done and economic, client financial economic limitations come into play multiple times per day for our teens and for our veterinarians. And we all got into this. I got into this. My driving force, my why in being a veterinarian is because I love helping people. 
And the way I help people is by keeping their beloved pets healthy. I love that. Unfortunately, there is a cost associated with that. So what can I do as a veterinarian to help you keep your pet healthy by educating you about the cost? You know, and it doesn't have to be Cadillac medicine. Um, I've never had a pet owner that says to me, oh, yeah, you know, if I get 10 years out of the pet, that's enough for me. Most of my clients have said, I want them to live forever. And as a pet owner, Deb, I want my pets to live forever, too. Unfortunately, that's not realistic. So I can give you the next best thing, which is a great, long, healthy life with proactive medicine. And that's where having pet insurance and other forms of financial support in place um, will really help you to be able to get the next best thing forever. Well, Wendy, I, I, I know I'm going to have you back because we have so much more to talk about because you've been exposed to so much as a veterinarian, as a pet owner, and now as an executive, because my listeners really want to learn more about how to really have that conversation. And since you can talk about it from three different ways, I hope you'll come back and speak to us again. Absolutely. It would very much be my pleasure, Deborah. Um, I always enjoy great conversations with you. Well, I enjoy great conversations with you, and I'm sorry we've run out of time, but this is Why Do Pets Matter with your host, Deborah Hamilton, and I look forward to having you listen to our next podcast. That's coming right up. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton, and this podcast is my passion. Do you have a great guest or idea for a topic you'd like me to explore? Go to my website and click contact at Hamilton Law and Mediation. That's Hamilton Law, L-A-W, and A-N-D, Mediation, M-E-D-I-A-T-I-O-N.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. This is Deborah Hamilton thanking you for being here.